Well, I want to spend my life in the pursuit of what really matters. In fact, I could say it like this, I want to spend my life in the pursuit of what matters most. And I think all of us here today have that desire. We want to understand and know what it is that matters most and then follow after that thing, whatever it is. The believer's value system, your your value system, mine, is based on kingdom values. Jesus came to earth saying things that are counterintuitive to human wisdom. He came saying, if you want to save your life, you need to lose it. If you love your life, you will actually hate it. He came saying, blessed are the poor and blessed are the meek and blessed are those who hunger and thirst and blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. He said, rejoice when that happens. Those are kingdom values. The the pagan mind cannot understand the same things that we as kingdom citizens understand and value. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 that everything in his past before he met Jesus, and he wasn't talking about negative things. All of it was positive. He said, I count all that as garbage. Why? For the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Believers value what they cannot see without the eyes of faith. The world values the things of this world over which the kingdom of Satan reigns. But sometimes, sadly, even believers yield to the cultural distractions around us and we begin to lose sight of what really matters. We are inundated with cultural messages that are anti-God and anti-biblical and anti-Christian and anti-church. I love America, but I do not love what she has become. And we are bombarded with pagan influences, the satanic influences in pop culture are no longer trying to be hidden. It's blatant in your face. And sometimes we look around us and we start to believe that maybe the world is actually winning. It looks that way because it seems like, it seems like so few are standing up for what really matters. And so, from time to time, we as believers must ask ourselves, maybe again and again, what is it that matters most? What is it that matters more than anything else in this world? And, of course, for the believer, we we know that Whatever matters most to God is what should matter most to us. Amen? And so how do we know what matters most to God? Well, we go to His Word, right? We go to the Bible and we read it. But if you've read it, you know that obviously there are many things that matter to God. So the question remains, what is it that matters most? And if God will tell us, 
and he has, what matters most, then we can spend our lives in the full pursuit of that thing. You would agree with me, wouldn't you, that some things matter and some things don't? Right? We, we understand that. And some things matter more than other things. This is true in our, our day-to-day life as well as in the spiritual realm. And we understand it clearly in our day-to-day living. In civil law, we all understand that a rolling stop infraction or a speeding ticket doesn't matter as much as being charged with aggravated homicide. We get that. That's really clear. Now, if you're the one pulled over to the side of the road with flashing blue and lights in your rearview mirror and you're getting a ticket, that matters. And it might matter so much that it ruins your day or even your week, but everyone here would agree it doesn't matter nearly as much as being charged with murder. That's easy to understand. It's easy to see that some things matter more than other things in, a, in an emergency triage center. Of course, triage is where they assess each patient's need to determine what needs are the most important. And depending on what triage unit you're a part of, and I'm sure we have nurses or doctors or people who, have, who work in these fields, so there are diff- for different triage units, there's different levels, but for our triage unit this morning, there are three. And the first one is, is immediate urgency. These are life-threatening situations. A life hangs in the balance. What am I talking about? A heart attack victim, a stroke, someone comes in, they're not breathing, there's no pulse, or maybe barely a pulse. Everything stops. Doctors and nurses come running. They leave you to go work with them. Why? Because that matters most in that moment. We get that. Then there's level number two, and those are urgent needs. They're not necessarily immediate, but they are urgent. They could become life-threatening, maybe excruciating pain that you've had for days in your head or in your abdomen, or maybe a broken bone, a broken leg, and those things are important. They're crucial, especially if you're the one with a broken leg, but we would still agree that the person not breathing or, or barely hanging on to life is more important in that moment, their need, than even yours. And then there's the non-urgent You know, maybe a finger that needs a stitch or two or allergies that over-the-counter meds aren't touching and you need something more, they're not nearly as important. Now, if you're the one struggling with allergies, that's very important. But even you at your worst in hay season, fever season, would, would have to agree that's not more important than the person that they just brought in clinging to life. So... What am I saying? We understand that some things matter more than other things in situations like that. I was in the hospital in January, Christ Hospital, in January with a life-threatening condition. And I hesitate to say it this way because it sounds melodramatic, but I was, in fact, dying. I wasn't close to it, but I was getting there. Melody drove me up, and I was in a wheelchair, and and so sick. And calling out to her, begging, begging her to let me lay on the dirty tile floor of the emergency room waiting center. I could hardly sit up in the wheelchair 
in so much pain and agony. And the guy in front of me saunters up to the registration desk and I hear him say, I'm waiting behind him, dying. And I hear him say, as she says, what can I do for you? He said, yeah, I've got a sore on my lip I'd like you guys to look at. If I could have, I would, if I had enough strength, I would have said, get out of the way. We understand that, right? Now that's a humorous story, but we understand how, how I would feel in that moment. But isn't it interesting that we can clearly see that some things matter more than other things in an emergency triage center or with a speeding ticket, you know. But it's so hard for us to, to realize that there are some things that matter more than other things within our spiritual life, within our Christian walk, within Scripture. There are things in Scripture of first importance. The totality of church history. Everybody who's been a Christian can agree on these things. Matters of first importance. Jesus was the virgin-born Son of God. Amen? And He really died on a cross. He gave up His life. He died on a cross. He didn't faint. He died on a cross. He was buried... And then he rose again by the power of God the Father. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father and he makes intercession for us. And it's only through Jesus that anyone can find salvation. Those are matters of first importance. But wouldn't you agree with me that in the church, and now I'm speaking generally, not a specific church, but in the church we have... For so long, we have emphasized lesser things to the exclusion of the things that matter most. Don't forget what we're talking about this morning, what really matters. I pastored a a dear lady, and, and don't ask me to explain this story to you because I can't to this day. I believe in her. I believe she loves the Lord. If you saw her, you would say, oh yeah, she's obviously a church lady. She's a, and if you hung around her at all, you, she talks about Jesus all the time. She's the real deal. And again, I can't explain this story to you. I'm just telling you what happened. She's pretty uh, straight-laced, conservative, buttoned up. She took us out to eat. This has been many years ago. And... While we were eating, evidently we were talking about traveling or vacation or something. I really forget the context of the conversation. But she said to me, her pastor, well, sometimes when I go on vacation, I go to places like Las Vegas and I go into the casinos and I gamble. She had her hair up in a bun. She must have seen, she must have seen the look on my face. Because she said, well, 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 wait a minute, think about it. She said, when you go on vacation, you budget so much for food and so much for fuel and so much for fun. She said, that's what I do. I budget, I think she said, $500 for the casinos. When all that's gone, then I'm done. Well, she was paying for my meal, so I didn't say anything. But (laughs) in the same meeting, get this, she says to me, Pastor Sankey, I am so distraught about brother so-and-so at our church. Why is that? You know, I'm so concerned because he wears 
such long sideburns. Yeah. And I called her by name. I could handle it no longer. And I said, you do realize you just confessed to your pastor that you gamble. And you're worried about somebody's sideburns? And she laughed and said, oh, I guess I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. You think? Because we all know. Now, that's an obvious that's an obvious illustration, but we all know that some things matter more than other things. But what matters most to God? Well, when Jesus was asked that question, now not the exact question, but in essence it was the same question, what matters most to God, Jesus responded by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength. And he said, listen, the second is like the first. In other words, it is like the first in importance to God. And then he quotes Leviticus 19, 18. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he says something incredible. On these two commands hangs all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything that God was trying to teach you in the Old Testament, it all, all of the 613 rules that the Jewish religion had, all of those rules can be summed up with this. Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. That's what matters most to God. You know, uh, I'll, I'll be, I take the risk of being misunderstood, but we wouldn't need near the rules in church now that we have if every believer loved God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and their neighbor as themselves. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying rules are bad and we don't need rules. We do. Please don't misunderstand But how many rules does a believer who loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength and his neighbor as himself, how many rules do they need? They They don't need some list because what? They have the law of love burning in their heart. The Holy Spirit dwells within and they are surrendering to His impulses. A.W. Tozer said that to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with a spirit that is not your own. And so the Holy Spirit is active in the believer's life. And so God's Jesus says what matters most is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. This is the great purpose of your life as a Christian. To love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Now let me... You guys not have a clock? Well, that's dangerous. I got like 78 pages of notes here, so I, I got to have a clock. Don't worry, don't worry. My wife's here. She'll make sure I don't preach too long, all right? Love for God matters most because it places human devotion and worship on God who alone is worthy of our worship. Love for God matters most because it focuses our heart on true treasure. 
God, listen, is the most valuable person in the world. Jesus doesn't have the pearl of great price. He is the pearl of great price. And when we love God with all of our heart, then we are focused on true treasure. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Love for God matters most because it fixes or cleanses our value system. As humans, we are prone to worship trivial things. How many know what today is? I know it's Sunday. But what's happening to the northeast of us? In just about, I don't know what time it is because you don't have a clock. But at 1 o'clock. Yeah! Didn't take you long. Well, (laughs) why did I mention it? Because it's on my mind too. Oh, hey, is your, okay, but is, is, your, is your better half here? Oh, well, make sure you wish our brother a happy anniversary. Okay. Millions of people and hundreds of millions of dollars, probably over a billion dollars, when you consider all the gambling that we spend, hopefully not us, but Americans spend on a game that when we stand before God on judgment day will mean absolutely nothing. Right? There's no sin in, in, in sports. There's no sin in playing a game. That's not, that's not my point, and I think you know what my point is. This world chases after things. Don't, don't mistake. They think those things are really important. But we know those things don't matter at all. And all of us are prone to worship trivial things. But when we love God with all of our heart, and you know what that is. When you, there's nothing else your heart loves if you love it with all, if you love God with all, if Melody and I, the day we got married, or maybe while we were saying our vows, and she was repeating the minister statement, and and the part where you keep him only to yourself, you know, this whole dedication, if. If she said, well, here's the thing, I, I love you, Mark. But if I could just have one weekend, maybe, a year with my former boyfriend. <laughs> I'm being ludicrous here, right? I love you. Would I believe that? Would you? No. Of course not. Why? Because we expect, vice versa, we expect all of their love. And God, profoundly more than a human relationship, expects all of our heart, all of our love to be on Him. And when our heart loves Him with all of itself, then our priorities are purified. And we say, like Paul, the things that I used to think were valuable, they're not valuable anymore. 
What matters is knowing Christ. Loving God matters most because it is the only thing that truly satisfies. When we love lesser gods, we are left disillusioned and disappointed and dissatisfied. But God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him. I love the old saints that I grew up listening to testify. Old saints, I see some of them here today. I'm not going to point you out. You're more mature. You're not old. You're more mature. But I used to love to hear them testify. They, they were real for one thing, but they were so in love with God, so in love with Jesus. And there was something about that, that spirit that attracted me. I want to love God like they love God. They look like they're having the best time. Love for God matters most because it's the only love that makes us truly happy. You've heard it said maybe, sadly, by some preacher, well-meaning, God doesn't care if you're happy, He only wants you to be holy. Well, first of all, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. In fact, I would tell you that, that with all of my heart, I believe you can't be one without the other. True holiness leads to true happiness. can't be happy unless you are holy. You say, God wants us to be happy? Yes. Listen, Psalm 1611, and this is just one verse of many. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So what matters most, folks? Loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, honey, what time is it? All right. How long have I been preaching? Am I doing okay? All right, okay, all right. All right, okay. What does it mean to love God with all your heart? It means to love God exclusively. Listen to Jesus when he said, No man can serve two masters. Or else he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that word mammon in Jesus' day meant possessions or wealth. But the root word means anything other than God. So this is an exclusive love. I used to, I always, still to this day, kind of have a question mark when we sing that song. I don't know if you sing it here. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. Anyone? All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of 10,000 in my blessed Lord I see. I always have a question. All that thrills my soul? Really? Oof. And then I try to get around that. Well, all that thrills my soul is Jesus, but that thrills my, you know, my emotions is something else, you know, or whatever. Trying to weep. But that song really says it. It's an exclusive love. Can you say all that thrills my soul is Jesus? Jesus said you can't serve God in anything else. You can't love me and love anything else. What does it mean to love God with all of your soul? It means that you are to have a surpassing love for God. A love that surpasses all other loves in your life. All horizontal relationships are defined by this relationship. All other loves that you have this way are defined by the love that you have for God. And Jesus said, 
unless you hate mom and dad, son or daughter, husband or wife, you cannot be my disciple. Oh, Brother Mark, let's hurry over to the Gospel of Mark because he, he says it easier than that. Where he says, he that loveth mother or father more than me. But wait a minute, that's not all that is meant when Jesus says, if you don't hate mom or dad. Okay, so we know, we know that hate is not the way we understand it, is not what he's talking about. We know that. But if we are to say that what he means only is that we're to just love him more than we love anybody else, that's only part of the meaning. You said, I don't like that word hate. Well, let me help you. The, the word that, that comes, the word that Jesus used, there's a word that, that is the basis for that word. It comes from this word. And that word means, are you ready? To detest. Does that help you? Here's what Jesus is saying. You must love me more than anyone else in this world and there must not be a close second. I love my wife. I, 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 don't, I can't imagine life without her. We've talked about this. We want to live in the same mansion, you know, when we get to heaven. I, I, just, I don't understand all that, all right? I wish I did. And I know what the Bible says about, you know, there's no marrying. Jesus said that. So I, I, don't, I don't know. But I, I love her. I believe with all of my heart I would die in a split second. wouldn't have, even have to think about it for her. I love her. But if I understand Jesus, if my love for her ever starts to compete with my love for God, I need to treat that love, right? I need to treat that love as if, as if I detest it so that I might love God. Loving your God with all your heart and soul means loving Him exclusively, loving Him with a surpassing love, loving Him with your mind. Jesus isn't talking about your brain necessarily. The great theologian J.D. Sumner said when God saves you, He don't necessarily do nothing with your brain. That's profound, isn't it? If you're an idiot when God saves you, still quoting J.D. Sumner, if you're, an, if, if you're an idiot when God saves you, you're just a saved idiot. I, I've been looking for years to find that quote I could put into a sermon somewhere. I don't know if it fits, but I'm glad I was able to say it. So, it's not, he's not really talking about your brain. Now, we are to love him with our brain. We're to love him with everything. But he's talking about a mindset. We are to love God with our mindset. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the mindset. And what was that mindset? He, he was equal with God, yet he made himself of no reputation. And he took upon himself the form of a servant, and he became obedient to death. And Paul says, the Holy Spirit says through Paul, let that mindset be in you. And let that be the mindset 
that expresses love to God. This is an obedient mindset. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he who does not keep my commandments does not love me. John 14, read it. It's an obedient mindset. You don't have to feel like obeying. Did you know that? You don't have to feel like obeying to obey. If I had to feel saved to be saved, I wouldn't be saved all the time. If I had to feel like reading my Bible and praying to read my Bible and pray, I wouldn't read my Bible and pray sometimes because guess what? I don't always feel like it. If I had to go to church, even when I'm preaching, when I felt like it, I wouldn't always go because I don't always feel like it. But here's what I'm convinced of. We do what we want to do. We absolutely do. You say, wait a minute, I took out the trash last night. I didn't want to take it out. No, no, you didn't feel like taking it out. But you wanted to take it out more than you wanted to leave it in your house and stink up the place. You didn't feel like it. I don't know of anyone that feels like taking out the trash. Woo, great, we're going to take out the trash. No. So, so we understand that. But listen, someone might say, well, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to fast this week, but I did. No, no, you wanted to. If you did, you wanted to. You didn't feel like it. Again, I know very few people who feel like fasting. Who feel like, oh, I can't wait <laughs> to deny myself. This is going to be a blast. No, of course not. But we do what we want to do. You don't always have to feel like obeying. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God operating in your heart, you put one foot in front of the next and you just do what you know you're supposed to do. Whether you feel anything or not, because guess what? And you know this. Some of you know it way better than I do. You're not always going to feel like you love God. I wish I did. I wish every day that I had devotions, I always felt like it was camp meeting. But I don't. But what is, what is happening in my obedience? When I'm faithfully obedient only through Him, when I'm faithfully obedient even though I don't feel anything, I'm building a platform in my life upon which God can work. And one day there's, there's going to come crunch time and God's going to show up and, and work on that platform that I've been building even though I haven't always felt all the emotions I want to feel. So when Jesus says we're to love God with all of our mind, He's saying love God with a mindset of obedience. And then He says love God with all of your strength. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 9 through 13, He says that in the last days, how many believe we're in the last days? The love of many will wax cold. But he that endures to the end. Now, am I doing any injustice to Scripture? Because the context, Jesus, the, what Jesus is saying, the context is love. The love of many will wax cold, but... He whose love for God endures to the end will be saved. And in that passage, Matthew 24, 9 through 13, Jesus is talking about the persecution 
and the tribulations that Christians will face. Peter says to new converts that he writes to in, in, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says to them, you are going through various trials, but you love God even though you have not seen Him. What's he saying? You have endured. Love for God with all of your strength means loving God in a persevering way. You just keep on loving God. You keep on being faithful to His Word. You say, I can't do that. You're right. Neither can I. The only way, and here's what I believe. I don't believe for a minute that God commands His children to do things that He knows they cannot do. But we can't. We can't love God like that unless God helps us. How does He do that? By filling us with His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit, whose fruit is love, enables us to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And so, and you say, well, the Holy Spirit really didn't become active until like Acts chapter 2, right? No, 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 no. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. The Spirit of God hovering over the waters. From before the very beginning, the Holy Spirit was active. And, and of course, you know this. I'm speaking to a very literate crowd biblically. The Holy Spirit filled people all the time in the Old Testament to do all kinds of things. And listen to what? I think it's Deuteronomy oh, 19. Don't quote me. Listen to what Moses says. Well, God says it through Moses. I'm going to circumcise your heart. Circumcision is a symbol for cleansing. So that you will love the Lord your God. So how can we love God like this? How can we love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Only when we allow the cleansing presence of the Holy Spirit in. And He takes control. And then He enables us to love God as He deserves to be loved. You know, the great miracle isn't that we love God. The miracle is that He loves us. The great miracle isn't that I ever accepted Jesus. I, I, I kind of, I don't really like that terminology. I don't personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But the miracle isn't that I accepted Jesus. It's that He ever accepted me. A young mother, and I end with this, was walking from one point to another with her tiny infant in Wales when suddenly a blizzard blew in and she never made it to her destination. After the storm blew over, the search party was organized and they found her buried under a mound of snow, frozen solid. But before she had died, she had taken off her clothing and wrapped her tiny baby as tightly as she dared in her clothes, and then strategically mounted her body over that little baby to shield that baby from the blizzard. And when they were finally able to pry her frozen body away, they found her baby warm and alive and healthy. A mother's love. Jesus on the cross, as it were, mounted his body over us and while He is protecting us, the wrath of God for us is being poured out on Jesus. Can you imagine? 
Why would he do that? All we ever did was rebel and spit in his face. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice, the songwriter said, call out. It was me. It was my sin that held him to the cross. And yet Jesus loved us so much that he mounted his body over us and took the wrath of God that was meant for us. Even though he knew that some of us, maybe many of us, would never ever accept that love. That is love. And that is love worthy of our full commitment. Amen? Melody, would you come to the piano? Congregation, stand with me today. And I want us to close by singing a couple verses of that old hymn, My Jesus, I Love Thee, I Know Thou Art Mine. I don't know what number it is or even if you have it in your hymn books. But most of you will know, I think. So let's sing verses 1 and 3. Of my Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. Listen to this. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Let me ask you, can you think back on a time in your Christian walk where you've loved Jesus more than you do today? This would be a great Sunday to just renew your love for the Lord and say, Lord, loving you matters more than anything else. Amen. So let's sing it together. That first verse. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine for Before we sing that next verse, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. I wonder if there's anyone else like this young man who would say, I just need to pray this morning. I hadn't planned on opening the altar, but of course the altar is always open. And if the Holy Spirit is drawing you, why don't you come and let's pray before we go home as we sing. But I, I don't, do you, did anyone have the word, the page? Do we have that? You remember the, do you remember the verse that we sing? My Jesus, I love thee. Uh, I love thee for wearing the... Maybe I'll just sing that first verse again. If anyone needs to pray, let's, let's just honor the Lord's presence here as we sing that first verse one more time. My Jesus, I love thee. Do you love him? I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign. That sounds so beautiful. My gracious Redeemer, 
my Savior art thou, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. You all sound so beautiful this morning, and I believe you're a sweet sound in the Father's ears. Thank you, my brother. The uh, verse I wanted was, I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. This is the last verse. Our brother's going to come after this and dismiss however he sees fit. But let's sing that verse together. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus.